0: Mr. Xavier Reese, counting the costs for the price of true freedom. Spurgeon said, morality may
1: keep you out of jail, but it takes the blood of Jesus Christ to keep you out of hell. Somehow we think that we can balance the scales. The holiness of God demands His wrath, as you know, and therefore judgment must be executed, either through repentance or by the wrath of God. There's only two ways can be taken care of, repentance or
0: the wrath of God. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. What happens when you live according to your own standards? Well, very simply, according to God's Word, you will be judged for all your actions. That's the premise of today's study as Pastor Xavier digs deep into the book of Romans. Let's join him as he shares some powerful simple truths in a message titled, Hell is full of evil and moral people.
1: Paul the Apostle has pointed to us the very dark picture of man regarding the capacity he has towards evil in chapter 1. The Gentiles were the primary focus, as you know, and the human race has turned its back upon the revelation of the knowledge of God through creation. They're without excuse. The Apostle now turns to the moral as a self-righteous Uh, be he Gentile or Jew, who chooses the standard of morality for his life and the life of others instead of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Paul will use this as his transition from chapter 1 and move towards the Jew and develop his argument to the Jew beginning verse 17 to 29. The entire scene is one of a diatribe like a courtroom scene where the prosecuting attorney makes statements of facts, presents questions to reveal obvious truths, as well as arguments to reveal the guilt of man before God at the day of judgment. So Paul the Apostle deals with the judgment of God against the self-righteous moralists in this section, verse 1 through 16. Let me read it for you. Therefore, you are inexcusable, excusable man, whoever you are who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O oh man? You who judge those practicing such things and doing the same... That you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourselves wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds eternal life to those who by Patient continuance in doing good, seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek. But glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For there is no partiality with God. For as many as have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. For when Gentiles, who do not have the law by nature, do things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves... Who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves, their thoughts accusing or excusing them. In the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. The judgment of God against the self righteous moralists is based on the three following things here, according to Paul. First, verse 1 through 5. The judgment of God is based on truth, exposing hypocrisy. Secondly, 6-11, through 11, the judgment of God is against deeds, void of truth. And thirdly, 12-16, through 16, the judgment of God is based on the measure of light, affirming the gospel. Let's begin here with our first point. Verse 1-5, through 5, the judgment of God is based on truth, exposing hypocrisy. Look at verse 1. The Apostle Paul condemns the person for their hypocrisy. Paul is still, now don't disconnect chapter 1 and 2, Paul is still dealing with the wrath of God that's revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. They twist it, they suppress it, they deny it, they reject it. It goes back to chapter 1, verse 18, right? Now, in that first chapter, we saw that he pointed out the evidence of creation that makes man inexcusable regarding the existence of God. Chapter 1, verse 20. From creation without excuse. In chapter 121, he pointed out how though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God but became unthankful in vain in their thinking and their hearts became darker. In 23 and 25 of chapter 1, he pointed out their degeneracy in worshiping the creation rather than the creator. And then in 24, 6, and 8, he pointed out how God gave them up to uncleanness, vile affection, and debased mind, a downward spiral, getting worse and worse. And then in 32, at the end there, he pointed out their sinful, rebellious practice they were committing. And while knowing the righteous judgment of God, that it demands death, they not only were doing them, but they were approving of those who do it. Knowing. They know there's a creator. They know it's wrong. They know there's a penalty. They do it. That's the darkness of man. Now, Paul now turns to expose the person who is judging those in chapter 1. As horrible people while committing the sin himself. Wow. Paul switches from the third person to the second person. Listen to him. The word therefore usually sums up the conclusion. He says, therefore. Therefore. But in this case of context, it doesn't. It's better translated, wherefore or furthermore. It's a continuation, not a conclusion. Notice the charge is that he or she is inexcusable. Underline that word, inexcusable. It means to be without defense or apology. God sees the hidden lifestyle. Now, you and I can deceive each other. We can be, uh, you know, Eddie Haskell. Good morning, Mrs. Cleaver. Alright, those of you who remember the sixties. Notice the one being addressed is identified by many here as Jews, as you read commentaries, pointing out that the Jews is not indicated until you get to verse seventeen down to twenty nine. But I believe these are moral, self righteous hypocrites, Gentile and Jew. Because all Gentiles cannot be categorized under chapter 1. There are some good moral people, right? Simple. And also, there were Jews who did obey the law. He's talking about self-righteous hypocritical people here. Now, notice that the mention of Jew and Gentile in verse 9 and 10 is stated. But it's in priority of judgment due to privilege, the Jew first and the Gentile. He said that about salvation too in chapter 1, verse 16, 17, right? This is the third time he said, he said two times here. But Paul also confirms that it deals with both or anyone. Look at the word, O man. The phrase, O man, is anthropos, human being, without national or cultural identification. We get our word anthropology from it, the study of man. So it means anybody, any human being, Okay. So it has to include both. But also, the word whoever means each, every, any, all. So by those two phrases, he's including both the good, moral, hypocritical, Gentile, or Jew. Now, their condemnation, notice, was for judging the sins of those in chapter 1. He makes this very clear. Those sins that are categorized are in verse twenty-nine through thirty-two of chapter one, the word judge crino, means to pick out, select, or choose, describing the critical, censorious judgment of another person, appearing three times in the verse. The problem is not in making a judgment against sin in a person's life, but rather in condemning a sin in other's life while permitting it in one's own life. That's the problem. Now, you get the good moral pagan and the Hollywood people always throwing Matthew 7, 1 to our face. You hypocrites, the way you judge are going to come back to you again. The Bible says don't judge. Out of context, buddy. Matthew 7, 1 through 5 is don't judge hypocritically. They were Pharisees. Context, context, context makes all the difference in the world. Now, this person denies God's holy provision for righteousness while being disgusted with man's depravity in chapter 1. All right? We do the same as Christians. The context is non-believer, but let me give you an example. You say, oh, I can't believe that man. He left his wife. I can't believe it. But you're the biggest gossiper in the church. Well, let's move on. Okay. Um, the result is not only in that he is defenseless before God but he condemns katakrino he condemns himself pronouncing his own judgment worthy of the same punishment hmm now look at 2 through 4 the apostle Paul confronts the hypocrite by asking some very obvious and basic questions by the diatribe method this argument and questioning verse 2 Paul affirms the righteous judgment of God. The base of God's judgment is stated, but we know that the judgment of God is, listen, according to truth. The word but marks a sharp contrast. Hypocrisy in verse 1, and true understanding of God's holiness, needing to judge sin. The word truth aletheia means what is true or in reality in the person's life. God sees past the hypocrisy to the sin, all right? God judges as he sees things. He isn't caught up by the, the acting. The person being judged is also stated against those who practice such things. You remember the Pharisee in Luke 18, 11? He prayed in the temple. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as a tax collector. Phariseeism is synonymous with hypocrisy in the Gospels. Look at 3. Paul confronts the hypocrite with his self-deception about God judging him for his sin. He rebukes him sharply for his sin against man, which is unrighteousness. And do you think this, O oh man, you who judge those practicing such things? It's not like Paul saying, are you kidding me? The word thing, logizomai, means to reckon. It's an accounting term. To computer calculator, implying a process of reasoning. It's a key word. It appears 11 times in chapter 4. He's appealing to the reason. Think through what you're saying. Think through what you're living. The word is used when the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to Jesus and they said, By what authority do these things? And Jesus said, Well, let me ask you a question. If you answer that, I'll answer yours. Well, John's baptism, whose was it? And they say, well, they they reason in themselves. If they say it's from heaven, they'll say, why why didn't you obey it? And if we say it's a man, then who will get the people get us? He appeals to the reasoning here. Notice he is he in amazement of such thinking warns the person of his presumptuous sin against God, which is ungodliness. Listen to the words and doing the same that you will escape the judgment of God. That's self-deception, ladies and gentlemen. The word escape means to flee out or to avert the judgment of God. The word is used in a positive way, as Jesus said in Luke twenty-one thirty-six: pray and watch that you'll be worthy to escape all these things, the tribulation period. In other words, to go up in the rapture. That's in a positive way. Here's in the negative way. You think you can escape? You're judging these guys? They're a bunch of rats and, and, and you're eating the same cheese and you don't see yourself a rat? wow the word judgment again krima, means the sentence of condemnation for the wrong the judicial verdict before a divine courtroom this is a divine courtroom that's going on here the self-righteous Gentile or Jew is as guilty as the depraved Gentile in chapter 1 by practicing sin in his own life he's busted now notice verse 4 He points out the possible alternative by arrogant contempt of the person against God. In other words, or do you despise the riches and the goodness of God? Maybe that's your problem. (laughs) The word despise simply means to disdain or to think little of something worthless. The phrase riches of goodness means abundance of loving kindness. This is what God is extending in the invitation of salvation. By the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Do you despise his forbearance, patient toleration for repentance? Now, if you're a parent, you know that you've done this with your kid. You're waiting for him to turn. You're, waiting, you know, you're being patient, but you're being pushed, right? Or do you despise his long-suffering, patient endurance, and slow to avenge the wrong? You just wait a little longer. But not because God doesn't know the end result but to demonstrate to the world that he always gives every opportunity till there's no more possibility. God waited for a hundred years at the flood, knowing none would repent except for the eight. Why did he wait? So they can never be accused of being quick to judge. The person would conclude, well, maybe God's just indifferent. Or maybe he's just weak and he can't get me. Or maybe he doesn't even exist. Really, self-deception. Notice, he warned in verse four. There, the person regarding the danger of his sin against God, not knowing that the goodness of God leads him what to repentance. Here's the danger. The goal of God for all sinners is salvation, a change of mind. That's what repentance is. You change your mind about God and sin. And you realize you're a sinner. And you call upon him and you turn the other way. He changes your life. The result being a new creation. All things pass away, everything becomes new. 2 Corinthians five seventeen. If you're born again, you understand that. You remember that day. Look at 5. Paul declared the condemnation of the hypocrite. The problem is the heart. But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart... The hardness of heart, callous, obstinate heart, that's what the word means. This is the seat of uh, personality where the intellect, the emotion, the will interact and they make those decisions. Much like Pharaoh, he hardened his heart. Being unrepentant despite the amount of evidence and opportunities that God has provided. There's the greater judgment, okay? You're a parent, you understand. You give your kid a warning, that's one thing. You give them five, 10, 15 warnings, greater responsibility, right? Now notice the perilous outcome is severe. You are treasuring up for yourself, wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Treasuring up means to gather, store up, to heap up. Much like a dam. Water's coming down and it's filling it up. The snow's melting and that water keeps going up, up, up. More pressure against that that wall of the dam. And they have to open up the gates to let that water come out. The wrath of God. You keep rejecting and you keep just rejecting the truth of God. The amount of wrath coming to a person will be at the unveiling of the righteous judgment of God. We'll see it as we move along. The wrath will be in direct proportion to the rejection of God's goodness that leads them to repentance. The holiness of God demands his wrath, as you know. And therefore, judgment must be executed. Either through repentance or by the wrath of God. Only two ways can be taken care of. Repentance or the wrath of God. God says the wrath of God is upon the person of chapter 1 and right here also in chapter 2 because they're rejecting chapter 1 verse 16 and 17 the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Wow. Now you know why I entitled it that wicked and moral people are in hell. That's very difficult for people to accept. The rich man in Hades was told that he had privileged opportunity during his life. Jesus talking about Hell: Luke 16:25. He remembered his brothers. He remembered the opportunities. He could do nothing about it. Spurgeon said, "Morality may keep you out of jail, but it takes the blood of Jesus Christ to keep you out of hell." That's good. Somehow we think that we can balance the scales. Oh, please, don't go there. The word hypocrite," as you know, comes from the Greek word that means an actor on the stage some of you remember the old movies that when they began the movie they had a two mask a frown and a smile it comes from a stage and the person would get behind the mask and portray themselves as someone other than themselves no one looking upon that play would believe that that person was really that person they knew they were acting so that's the word hypocrite one who's acting as someone other than he really is Jesus warned in the Sermon on the Mount about the self-righteous hypocritical judgment of the Pharisees. critical. And he illustrates it by you have a big four by four in your eye and here you're telling the guy, hey, you got a sliver. Let me get the sliver out. The, The problem is not in judging. The problem is in hypocritical judging. Well, you're saying that's bad and you're doing all this. So that's the context of Matthew 1. Uh, 7, 1 through 5, when somebody tries to throw it in your face. There is nothing wrong with judging sin in a person's life when it is clearly obvious as sin. In fact, we're called to do so. Let me give you some text. You remember 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 5? Paul says about that young man that was sleeping with his stepmother. He tells the church, listen, what's the matter with you guys? You kick him out. In fact, he says, turn him over to Satan. Whoa. You see, you don't turn non-believers over to Satan. They already belong to him. You turn believers over to Satan who are rebellious and living in sin. Study the text. Second Thessalonians three fourteen. Paul says, "And if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person and do not keep company with him, that he may be ashamed." There are some times when we see rebellious brothers and sisters; they're living in sin. That once we warn them and admonish them, they don't repent. that I need to cut off fellowship, not because I think I'm better, but I'm looking that they repent. You understand? 1 Timothy five twenty. Paul tells Timothy, those who are sinning, rebuke in the presence of all that the rest may also fear. Wow. Now see, if Paul applied for a a preacher's job, then nobody would hire him today. He's unloving. He's too critical. He's not politically correct. (laughs) Listen to Jesus. "Except your righteousness exceed the scribes of the Pharisees. You shall not enter the kingdom of God. Matthew 5.20 The one thing we cannot judge is the motive of the heart. You get up and smack the person in the mouth next to you. I can say that's wrong. But I don't know why you did it. Maybe they insult you. Maybe they threaten you. I don't know. But I can judge the action right away. But I cannot judge the motive. You understand? But I shouldn't be afraid to judge an action or a deed at first. I need to. Now, the moral, ethical, and good-natured person is still a sinner, as you know. But their deception is to compare themselves to someone who's worse, right? So they look better. And then to exalt themselves against those who are living worse than they. The invitation to every sinner is salvation. We always quote John 3.16. You know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we stop right there. But listen to verse 17 and 18. The condemnation of a sinner is by the rejection of Christ. Listen to verse 17 and 18. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. It is the person who rejects salvation. In fact, John three thirty six, the wrath of God is re- removed By believing in the Son. Listen to him. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe in the Son has not everlasting life and shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides in him. Do you understand? Salvation is not about, do you want your life changed? Do you kind of just feel depressed? Do Do you feel that people ripped you off? No, no, no. That's not what it's about. Salvation is about this. Listen, you are under the wrath of God. And the only way we can escape it is by recognizing that the wrath of God fell on His Son and that He is your only righteousness and your only hope. That's gospel. Very important. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, Hebrews 10.31 says. So, the judgment of God is based on truth exposing hypocrisy.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese and the Hard Truth of the Gospel. More important simple truths drawn from the book of Romans chapter 2. Now you can hear this message again if you like online anytime by selecting today's date under the radio tab at CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. And if you'd like a copy of today's study on CD, ask for Hell is Full of Evil and Moral People. It's available for only $4. This CD includes the complete message as it was originally delivered. Once again, the title to ask for is Hell is Full of Evil and Moral People. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Again, that's Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com